that'd be shorts weather in Canada. You sound just like a Canadian. They're built for the regular season. They're a well-oiled machine. In my humble opinion. Also, if you haven't heard, Jason Tatum six ten. On wax for the world to know. Oh man. Honestly, guys, you sound like a girl who's scared of love. I am a girl who's scared of love. It's theirs to lose. I think they're a high ceiling, low floor. I'm gonna make a joke because I am a glutton for punishment. They're just the massacres, bro. That shit was bonkers. I'm not gonna do what y'all did, Alonzo. But it's a new day, gentlemen. Because the bright future suns are finally fucking here. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Charity Stripe Commentary. I'm your host for today, Trey Hill, and today I'm joined by New York basketball fan, mm-hmm. Leon Collington. Um, the reason I say it like that is he is a Knicks fan, but he he resides in New York, and we're taping this Monday before the games start, and the Brooklyn Nets, who, you know, they reside in the New York area, they are the last team trying to avoid being swept here in just about an hour and a half, so I wanted to have Leon on to really talk about the Nets, uh, the playoff disappointment so far, and just kind of how things, what the mood's like up in New York. So, Leon, thank you for coming on. Um, do your little, do your little introduction spiel. Uh, yeah, my I know you're a writer man. for. Yeah, don't forget to to tell everyone that you're a writer for Hoop Social. I don't know how well you are at plugging your content, but oh, I'll yeah. try and plug it for you. I'm a slack on that a little bit, but yep, yeah, my name is Leon. I am a writer for Hoop Social. I have some articles up. I have some pieces in the works that are all coming soon. You know, I do reside in New York area, like Trey said. And yeah, I grew up a Knicks fan, but also grew up a Knicks and Nets fan too. So I've been watching basketball since 2006. So obviously at that time, I caught the Knicks at the worst possible time, them not being as good as they should be like in the 90s, right? So that's unfortunate. But I also caught the Nets at some of the good playoff teams. Not the Jason Kidd 2001 teams, but when they had Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, and Richard Jefferson, you know what I mean? So I remember all that. And then I remember when they traded Jason Kidd away, then I went to the Nets as they were still in Jersey before coming back to Brooklyn technically. So I have, you know, when it comes to New York basketball, I have some decent knowledge about it. You know, if the Knicks ain't in the playoffs, the Nets are in, and the Nets are in, um, you know, Knicks are in. So I'd be happy to say the state of New York basketball is from the NBA standpoint. So I think we all kind of thought the Nets might have some trouble with the Celtics going into this, into this series. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say almost everyone is surprised by how well the Celtics have been able to contain Kevin Durant for the most part of this series, especially Jason. Tatum. But it's, it's definitely been a, a team wide effort. So to me, do you, what do you think the – because even if even if they win tonight, I do not expect the Nets to come back and win, win the series against the Celtics. So I'm thinking going into next year. If that ends up being wrong, Leon, you can come back on the podcast and we'll talk about the, the first ever 3-0 comeback. But assuming, well, the Nets lose this, <laughs> assuming the Nets lose this series, what – moving forward, looking to next year's playoffs, what can – the Nets do to maybe better accommodate Kevin Durant on the offensive end to keep him from getting locked down like he is? I just think more roster balance, to be honest with you, because from the offensive side of the fit things, you know, Ben Simmons, even him not playing, that's 
you could place Ben Simmons' spot with a shooter or with a, you know, a guard, which they have been doing. But I think in terms of balance, offensively, they got Seth Curry out there. They have Kyrie. Obviously, Kyrie is amazing offensively. They have, um, even though they have offensive big men like Orange and Blake Griffin, Drummond and um, Nicholas Claxton, they're great um, pick and roll partners for KD. And they're, you know, like I mentioned, Seth Curry. They also have Boost Bow, who's not really a shooter, but a good ball handler, another ball handler to pair next to KD and Kyrie. And their bench, they have a like a good amount of playmaking and shooting off the bench with going tragic and Patty Mills. But I just think they need more two-way players and they need a little bit more size. So when, you know, James Harden was on the team, not that James Harden was great defensively, but James Harden gave another ball handling offense and defensively, he was easier to hide. Whereas you put, put in that spot now to a set Curry who is harder to hide. So I think, they're off balance when it comes to defensive potential, which is why they're playing the likes of Andre Drummond and Nicholas Claxton out there because they want to show up the defense. But the problem is those guys, they're good at screening, but they it just it's just a misbalance. And then you have like you're very small at one of the four spots because Bruce Brown, he's the size of a guard. So he can guard like two shooting guards and Small forwards depend on who the small forward is, but he's sometimes guarding like powerful. Like you have him guarding mm-hmm. if you're against a team like Cleveland, he's guarding um who's the rookie Evan Mobley. So there's and, like, and that's best case scenario. Like that's that's best case scenario if they get to match up and they're not getting lost in transition. And I feel like when I watch the Nets, when they try and play small, when they don't, so when they don't score a basket and they're playing small. One of those three, those three guards is getting stuck on a big man who can just run exactly. the floor and establish themselves in the post. So to me, I think if you're going to play small, the Nets have to make sure they have a very efficient offense out there. And getting exactly. Ben Simmons back, who is, a, you know, he's a 6'10 point guard who, you know, he can play in the dunker spot and at least tie a guy there to keep, mm-hmm. Kevin, you know, to try and to try and help Kevin Durant space the floor that way. To me, what I really think is lacking is the playmaking options. You mentioned Kyrie. Um, who else is starting right now? You've got Seth Curry out there. You've got you've got mm-hmm. Brown. Um, you don't have anyone playmaking for Kevin Durant to make anything easier for him because Very he, at, as great as he is in a one-on-one setting, he can't get in a one-on-one setting right now because Boston, they're doing those strategic doubles. They're making Kevin Durant give up yeah. the basketball. And mm-hmm. so you don't have anyone else like you, I would almost say Drogic needs to come in and have the ball, have Kevin Durant running off of screens, trying to get him, you know, open or just semi open looks because he's so big. If he can catch and rise up, all he needs is that split second. So exactly, I think the real key for Brooklyn is playmaking because as great of a handle as Kyrie has, he's not an above average. He's not a playmaker. He's a scorer. There you go. Um, yeah, that, that's just the way it is. So to me, I I think that's really what Brooklyn has missed. And they don't – you mentioned the defense. They definitely do need a better, you know, more more uh, snappy defense. Like Boston, their rotations are so crisp. You can't. It's so hard to yep. get an edge on them. Brooklyn, they, they don't quite have that. 
and you just you hope that can come. But if, if you can get Kyrie and Kevin Durant some playmaking on the offensive end, you can really get that offense going. You might not have to have the level of defense of a Boston this year. So I think that's the big key for the Nets going forward to to come into next year, you know, with a full year of Kyrie with, you know, with hopefully a full year of Ben Simmons coming into next year and being contenders again. Yep. And I agree. Um, to add to the playmaking, I think also, I'm not saying this guy's a playmaker, but he's another guy that can, you know, decently make a pass. A Joe Harris, right? Joe Harris as a threat, as a shooter, as a taller guy who can kind of, you know, make the extra pass because he's a shooter. You can, let's say he's playing as Boston, Boston has to pay attention to him so they cannot leave him alone. And, uh, you know, having him instead of Bruce Brown out there, you pass out next guy, that's another opportunity for KD to get an open shot against one guy instead of having KD see two guys. You know? I completely forgot about Joe Harris being out. Like, it just completely spaced my my mind. <laughs> so, yeah, adding adding Joe Harris, that, that will be huge just for the size portion of, exactly. of Brooklyn's struggles this year. So – to me, I, I think they're going to be they're going to be set up to compete a lot better next year than they were this year, which is it's disappointing considering that Kevin Durant is, I think he's what, 31, 32 right now. So, but yeah. but he's already got some championships in Golden State. He's proven yep. everything he needs to prove. And I, I enjoy seeing him get to play with his buddies and get to just play play the style of basketball he likes to play. But mm-hmm. it's safe to say that Brooklyn is not a team that you would you would call likely to win the NBA Finals at this point. No. The other thing not. I wanted to talk to you about was I thought it would be fun if we picked – now that we, we've seen a few games, we've had some injuries take place, yeah. we both would pick three teams that we think are the most likely to end the season holding the trophy. You're three the guest – you're the guest, so I'm gonna let you go first. Oh, yeah, let me go first. Yeah, okay. if if you had, to, okay, so wait, um, are we gonna do this like a draft where you can't pick who I pick? Do you want to do it that way? Um, yeah, let's do it like that. So we okay, can let's pick do, on let's six do it that way. Teams. Yes. Okay. That's so okay, who who who? If you had to pick one team to win the finals, who do you think your number one team is? Oh, I can start on any conference, right? Any conference, all right. So yeah, any conference. I'm gonna start off. I'm mean, this is cheating. I'm gonna start with Golden State. I'm gonna start with Golden State. And here's why. Um, having Seth Stephen Curry off the bench and him willing to do that in the playoffs, I think that's a big bonus for them because it gives them another dimension of unpredictability, you know. So and they have Steph, Draymond, and Clay. That's a core. They have Igadala, another core piece that came back. My only worry is the size, but outside of that, they got everything else. They're a good two-way team. They were the team I was going to pick. Also, there there are two teams: one in the one in the West, and one in the East. I think they I think they're equally talented, mm-hmm. but I think that the East is more talented than the West. So I think Golden State has an easier path, and the lineup of of Poole, Clay, Steph, Draymond, and Wiggins. The, the new death lineup, whatever you want to call it. I think that's going to be lethal against most teams. And Kevin Looney, I think he gets undervalued in terms of being able to battle yeah. against the big guys and, and not necessarily shut them down, but at least neutralize them a little bit. He's always in the right place. He boxes out well. So yeah. I, I would have had Golden State as my number one team also. And your point about how 
how bought in the team is like Steph's coming off the bench, the chemistry of this team. It, mm-hmm. It's just at an all time, you know, it's at an all time high right now. And I'm really excited because they play the winner of Memphis, Minnesota. And that series is tied oh. to neither. Both, both teams are young and exciting, but mm-hmm. neither team I'm looking at, uh, you know, for this list, I think whichever team golden state gets, they're going to be able to, to blitz through them. And Phoenix, okay. Phoenix likely is looking at facing Luca in Dallas in the next round. So I like mm-hmm. Golden State's chances the best to get to to both get to the NBA Finals and to win the NBA Finals as well. So good call on that one as your number good one. Call. I want to add a two, few couple things for Golden State. So Kevin Looney, where you believe or not, he's a crucial piece for them because if he's hurt, they don't have they don't have like a real big man they could put. If something happens to him, so they need Kevon Looney. Go and say needs him. And to add to the chemistry thing, that's something that Brooklyn does, didn't have this year because, you know, everything that's going on with Kyrie and them bringing Goran Dragic and pieces, even the James Johnson deal, another guy. So Go and say has chemistry. That's a, the main ingredient. And it's nice to see Kaminga. Get the get the kind of experience, get the playoff experience in his rookie year. He, he's just so athletic. I think he he's going to to be critical along with Poole leading Golden State into the next wave of success. So you you had my also number one. So so my my team I'll pick first. Then is the Boston Celtics. Ah, uh, how sing about them? Uh, normally I would have picked Milwaukee, but Middleton's hurt. So mm-hmm. I think Boston is is likely to sweep Brooklyn, so they're going to get, you know, an extra day of rest over Milwaukee. And mm-hmm. I think they're playing the best basketball in the NBA right now. I think that defense is just playing on a string. Robert Williams just came back. And Tatum's always been an above-average playmaker, but Marcus true, Smart's true. ability to playmake on top of, of Tatum's and having shooters who are going to make the shots, it's, mm. it's just – it's really changed the game for Boston. And – They've been the best team the second half of the season, and I think they—I think they're the team that's most likely to come out of the East, especially given the fact that they're going to catch Milwaukee in the next round. And even if Middleton is back, he's not going to be back in a hundred percent. I agree, I agree. And to add to Milwaukee losing Middleton, Middleton is—I think he was one of the pieces that they couldn't really lose because at least with Holiday, they had like Grayson Allen, George Hill. You know, they have guys that they those guys can play. And Grayson Allen, that's another guy. I think I mentioned him twice, but at least they can come plug in for holiday. Who do they have to replace Milton? There's no little candidate. I mean, you, you think like Connaughton and Grayson Allen because they're the they're the bigger shooters, but that's why you want Middleton out there. He's the star level player who is the knockdown exactly. shooter. Whereas Holiday, like you don't necessarily want to give him the open three-point shot, but you're not as threatened by it. And he's also shorter, so it's easier to close out on him. Whereas Middleton, he can rise up if you don't get out and pressure him a little harder. So I probably – I don't even think I'm going to have Milwaukee make my list. But did you have anything you wanted to add on Boston before you before you pick your second team? The thing I like about Boston, and when I was thinking about it, when we come back to the Boston-Brooklyn series – I like Robert Williams and Al Horford together because they're, you know, they both naturally are centers. They're different kinds of centers. So you have Robert Williams, Tom Lloyd. It's like if you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, how they use Jared Vanderbilt a little bit, but it's kind of a better version of that. Like he's the warmer, like he's the guy that warms around. And he can protect the room, but he doesn't have to be around him. He can warm around and double team. And Horford can be the rim protector. 
and Boston defensively, best defense I've seen in a while. So, yeah, they've done a, an excellent job at building that team, making it to where whatever kind of lineup they need to throw out there against the team, they can play that kind of lineup. There is there isn't a lineup you can throw out against Boston that they can't throw out something effective against it. And that's, true. again, that's one of the reasons I'm so high on them. So, okay. We've said our loves about how much we love Boston. Who is your next team <laughs> on your list? I'm going to say Miami as my next team only because of, Oh, Miami. They yes. were not anywhere close. They weren't, weren't even in my top five. Wow. Interesting. Why so? I just – I don't believe – I don't think they're better than the Sixers. I don't think they're better than Milwaukee. I don't think they're better than Boston. I mean, I don't – as – I like them as number one seed. The problem, though, I look at the East, and the East is technically deeper, but then I'm seeing all the injuries that pile up. Like, Embiid right now, he's going – he has a thumb injury. Um, the Sixers, and without Embiid, this hard is not himself – Milwaukee just lost Middleton. Boston had, like, Robert Williams out for a little bit. And I don't trust Chicago at all. I'm sorry, bro. I don't trust your team, the Bulls. I don't trust them. So, um, Boston's book is about to be swept. So, who else is left <laughs> in the East for me? Atlanta is not going to do anything. And Toronto is about to be, to be gone, too. So, I, I had no choice. It has to be Miami. And the thing I like about Miami, I like that they can pick up a Duncan Robinson one year or they can pick up a Gabe Benson, a Max Struess another year. And those guys fit right in and they play the right way. And you can know Miami hasn't had their own draft pick in years. And when they do draft, they drive pretty well. They have Tyler Hill, Bam Alabama, and their brother's a perfect franchise guy for them. And they have a style and identity and exposure. People forget he has two championship rings. So out of those guys, you have to be Miami. I, I, I had no choice. The East is, East is not as strong as I, as I thought, you know? Oh, see, I, I disagree. I think the East is stronger than the West. I think Philadelphia, with the way they're playing, I think Embiid has just been on a tear. And I lo- like I said, I love the way Boston's playing. And if Milwaukee is able to get through Boston, that, that just tells me that either Middleton is – recovered enough that they were able to get past that team or Giannis has just stepped up another level somehow. So either sure. way, I, I just find it hard for me to think that, that Miami is going to be the team, the team. So for me, I think my next team is going to be. I'm going to go Phoenix. Guess. I'm going to go Phoenix. Interesting. Phoenix. Okay. If they, if they can, because if they can get Devin Booker back, mm. I I just I really like I really like what that team was able to do in the regular season, and Listen. I think if not, um, you know they might they might get swept or not swept, but they might get they might lose in this first round even without Devin Booker. But just in terms of thinking about okay, these, this team has to go all the way and win the finals. I think if Phoenix can get Devin Booker back, oh, they're they they skyrocket up that list. Very true. The reason why I didn't pick Phoenix because with Devin Booker out, I saw Phoenix's rotation get a little like they lost to um the Pelicans and New Orleans Pelicans. They're under five hundred. Great story, different team from early in the year. But if you're Phoenix, like 
I saw things before the playoffs as a top tier team, like the best team in the West. But when I saw that Dan Booker injury, it kind of got me worried because they put Cam Johnson in the lineup. And I'd rather see Cam Johnson off the bench because, yes, it's good to have your best five guys out there. But in crunch time, like some teams shouldn't start their five best guys. So when you have Cam Johnson out there, that means more minutes for Landry Shamit, more minutes for Toy Craig, and that weakens that depth that they have. So that's why I couldn't pick them. I need to see Booker back. That that's fair. That's fair. So so who is your so you've got you've got Golden State, you've got Miami. Who is your last team? Uh this is a tough one because if certain injuries would have happened, I probably want to pick a Milwaukee or uh, like, you know, certain teams like Philly, but I'm going to go with Dallas. And I know Lucas hurt too, but I've seen enough from them. And, and yes, he, I mean, he came back the last game. So like he, he's hurt, but he's back at least. Yeah. And I've seen enough from um, Spence Dirty and Jalen Brunson. Even with Luca gone, I can trust them to at least get to round two, give um, Phoenix, if it's Phoenix, which is mostly will be fixed, enough trouble. And I just think Jason Kidd, yes, he has some flaws in his coaching, but Jason Kidd has elevated his team. And you think, oh, with Pozingas gone, they'll be not as, you know, potent, but Dorian Smith, moving him to the four, and then just adjusting certain guys in certain possible rotation, Dallas has been clicking ever since. That's how I see it. I was thinking about taking Dallas with my next pick. So I, I do like that one. That's, that's very solid. Mm-hmm. So I guess for my last pick, for me, it comes down to either Milwaukee or Philadelphia. Ooh, and I've, I've picked the Bucks all year to win the title. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bucks. I know I'm I said earlier, I didn't think they were going to be on my list, but okay. I've rode the Bucks. Not only did I pick the Bucks to win the title this year, I picked them last year, and I picked them the two years before. I've, I've picked them four years running to win the title. Wow. I, 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 cannot, I cannot jump off the bandwagon just yet. So mm-hmm. I think Giannis is that dude. I thought Giannis it has been, you know, if not the best player in the league, the second best player in the league for a couple of years now, and he just continues to get better. Uh, I – I love what holiday brings to the team. I love how the team is built. They've got Lopez, they've got Portis, so they can play with, they can play huge and force other teams to also play with size, which most teams aren't equipped to do these days, but they can also play Giannis at center. They can do so many different things, especially if they get Middleton back, which is, which would be huge for them. But even Mm -hmm. if they don't get Middleton back, I think this is a team, especially if Giannis steps it up, like he somehow always finds a way to do it. I think this is a team that, is hungry to repeat. I think they got a taste last year, and I don't think they were satisfied. I think it's a good choice out of all the teams remaining. Yeah, and I think Milwaukee, yes, they're well Milton and maybe a struggle, but I would say, and I've seen it in the last box score, that they kind of decided to play Giannis at the three with Bart Porter and Book Lopez, and if they can just go that route until Milton returns, because they don't have a the much wing depth as earlier in the season due to some trades. They do have Serge Ibaka waiting too that can play. So I think Milwaukee will be fine without Milton for a while. So I know the choice is good choice. I mean, I think they'll be fine with Chicago. I don't know that they'll be fine against Boston. 
would be the issue, but Mm-hmm. It, it, it's still it, it'll be close and that you know i i favor boston in that series i i think i fate i think right now i favor boston in that series even if middleton comes back you know even if he comes back for game one i still think i favor boston but other than that i can see milwaukee definitely making the finals and if they make the finals middleton should be fairly healthy by then and if they can make the finals they can definitely win the finals so so to recap, you had Golden State, Miami, yeah. and Dallas. Mm-hmm. I have Boston, Phoenix, and Milwaukee. So you after did, the playoffs, yeah. or if somehow two of our teams happen to meet in the finals, we'll have to have you back on and oh, see who was right and who was wrong. Interesting. But, <coughs> excuse me. But before, before we go, mm-hmm. I wanted to shout out either one series, one player, one team. Before we leave – the playoffs are great and we're going to have even more great moments going forward, but not all of these teams are destined to compete for the title. So we weren't necessarily going to talk about them, but I wanted to make sure we got to give some love to something else. So Liam, what, what did you want to shout out before we took, before we left? Honestly, I want to shout out the Minnesota um, Timberwolves versus the Memphis Grizzlies series. I think that is very intriguing. You know, they both have a, they're like a very ferocious team, but in different kinds, right? So I was looking at the last few box scores. So as we all know, Memphis hasn't been playing Steven Adams as much, even though Steven Adams has been healthy. And I'm like, why is that so? And Steven Adams, you know, good player, but I think Conte Towns is a bad matchup for him, as we're starting to find out. So I'll make this quick. In game three, they decided to start Connison next to Jaron Jackson as the two bigs. We're leaving, you know, Brooks, Jaron Jackson, Jaron Morant in the lineup, and then they'd be playing Xavier Tillman off the bench, which it, it It's not the match. same. It's not the same, you, you know, either player level or even playing time, but how they have Steph Curry so willing to come off the bench in Golden State and that chemistry mm-hmm. being so well. That's what I loved about seeing Steven Adams. That, like, they realized he was a bad matchup. Mm-hmm. And him being so willing to to sit on the bench and not even really sit on the bench because he's standing up, he's coaching from the you know coaching from the sidelines. Yeah. And you're you're right. They it is the the series has been a series of matchups and st- seeing mm-hmm. Stephen Adams ride the bench, it's been a little bit of a surprise. And I think it's been one of the reasons Jaron Jackson Jr. has gotten into foul trouble. Yeah. And to add to that, for Game Three, they had Jaron Jackson play center and. Look at the box score. The Grizzlies were down initially, but playing, I guess when they played Tillman and Brandon Clark together for a little bit, they was able to come back and go for the win here. So that was interesting to see game three. But then I looked at game four. Um, they had Jaron Jackson move back to the four and had Tillman start, but the Grizzlies lost by one point. So it kind of made me like, look at it a little bit. And same thing, first quarter, they was down to, to Minnesota. And I think the conclusion that come from there is Jaron Jackson has to play power forward for them. Honestly, for the Grizzlies to win the series, or he has to play with somebody with Cal Anderson, you know, somebody that can also shoot. But it looks interesting. But with the bench, I think you should have Brandon Clark playing with another banger, like a Tillman, because I think that frustrated the Minnesota Timberwolves in the bench units because that's how they was able to win game three. And as long as Memphis continues to make adjustments, I think they can win this series. But Minnesota has given them a good run for the money because 
Yeah. I've been really surprised with how well Minnesota has played in the playoffs, especially after Cole Anthony Towns had such a bad game, mm-hmm. um, both both in the play-in and he, I'm pretty sure he had a sinker in the playoffs themselves. I've been high on Minnesota um, since last year. Last year after they drafted Ant, uh, I think around the all-star break, when, when, he really, when Ant really started to come on, I declared that that team had a core that was going to be a title contender in the next five years. So I also picked them to be like 10 games over their Vegas over under, which they, they did. They achieved that. So I've been on the Minnesota bandwagon and (laughs) I love, I'm really glad to see them getting this playoff experience because D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly have both said things about how this team needs to focus. They need to not ride the momentum wave so much. And I think getting this playoff experience for a guy like Ant, who is so charismatic and is so gift, you know, so gifted athletically, that mm-hmm. I think he a lot of the times he feels like he can just turn it on and he's going to win. And seeing the playoffs up close, getting that experience, I think this is huge for Minnesota. And seeing them be able to have success is huge. The same really goes for Memphis. I think they were a year ahead. Uh, of the timeline being the second seed, I think most of the time they would have been closer to the four or five. It, you know, if Denver w- would have had Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., if things had fallen differently, I, I didn't expect them to be that high. So, whichever team advances, I think Golden State runs through. But I am excited. I have been really excited to watch that series and to see which guys shine when the lights are the brightest. Amen. I want to ask you one question, though, Trey. Who do you do you think Memphis needs to do one more trade to solidify their team? Do you think like a Jaron Jackson plus a few picks or a few other young players will take them to get another quality player to take them to the next level? Or do you think they should just leave the same? Knee-jerk reaction, you you have to keep them together for at least a year because this team, the chemistry is so tight-knit. I think they're the, I don't know if they're the youngest team in the league officially, but they don't have a player that their oldest player is Steven Adams at 28. So they're definitely wow. they're Pretty definitely young. set up right. And so if you have a core, a group of guys that are friends, like they're not just basketball players who get along well on the court, they get along well off the court. So Having all of that, I'm looking at their cap situation. It doesn't look like they're going to have cap room anytime in the near future. So to me, to me, I think you keep them together for at least another year or two. If things continue to stagnate at that point, then you look to trade somebody. But for right now, with how young that team is, I, I think you keep them together for a couple of years and you watch them continue to grow together because I like the way the team is built I love how versatile the lineups can be like having Steven Adams sit the bench to go smaller. I just think they, I think they're young and they need to develop the, develop some better habits. I think they need to just, you know, develop better as a team and they'll get there. They're just young. And no, I don't think they need to do anything. What about you? I you have like, someone in mind. Like do you, if you feel like to me, I, I guess if you come to me and you're like, well, why don't you trade Jaron Jackson Jr. for so-and-so like, maybe I'm going to be like, well, Oh shit. Yeah. You should probably do that. I'm thinking, because this trend was mentioned before on rumors on that, but I'm thinking either a John Collins-type player or someone similar, because I love Jaron Jackson, good player, but next to Jan Moran, I think the player he's going to become, if they pay him, he might be too pricey for them to keep for the role he's going to be given, personally. So, I mean, John Collins is going to make – I think he makes almost as much, doesn't he? I don't know what his salary is. 
Yeah. Uh, like John Collins is going to make 23, 25, 26, 26. So Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to make a little bit more money, but they're already over the cap. So I, like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt their ability to, to get free agents. And I, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a better player than John Collins. So I think Atlanta would have to throw in more. And really, if, uh, if I'm Atlanta, I'm trying to package three, like three or four assets to get one huge big name this, mm-hmm. this offseason. I, d- I don't know who that person would be, but that's, that's what I'm looking to do if, if I'm Atlanta. Atlanta? Like Paul George? <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, I, I don't think him I – don't, I don't even know who it would be. But okay. I, I do think Atlanta is – I think they're the team most likely to trade a lot of assets for like a Bradley Beal or somebody like that. Bradley Beal could be okay. It could be okay. I think he would be a good secondary playmaker beside Trey Young. But that, that's a discussion for another day because Atlanta is yes. definitely not my team that I'm getting ready to bring up. The mm-hmm. team I'm getting ready to bring up might make my Phoenix pick look really foolish because they might beat them in the first round. And that's the New Orleans Pelicans. Hmm. They started off, we all know they started off the season horrendous. They traded for CJ McCall yeah. and they got back on track. And they've been one of the best teams in the league the last, you know, 20 games of the season. What I love about the team is, for one, their size. They've got Valanchunas, Hayes, and Brandon Ingram out there. So they're oh, huge. Yeah. They're huge out there whenever, whenever they start the game. But if you watch the rotations, they take out Hayes and Valanchunas at the same time. And then they have Larry Nance, who's only like 6'9", come in, and he plays small ball center. So when you talk about teams that have the versatility to match up literally against any type of team, I think New Orleans is almost better equipped for that than even Boston, uh, except for maybe the guards. Marcus Smart's ability to switch kind of negates a lot of that. But other than Boston, I think New Orleans is probably the, the second best team in terms of just matching up with whoever they need to. I love McCollum and Brandon Ingram together. I think that's been a great pairing to open each other up to get what you, you can't shut them both down given how well the, the team around them is built. So you have to shut one down. And that means the other guy is getting at least half open looks. I love the way the team is built, even without Zion. So uh, Herb Jones, all he was all defensive second team for me, along with all rookie first team. I think yeah. he, he's been just absolutely amazing on the defensive end, and he's really shown out against Chris Paul. The, there's so him. many bright spots for this Pelicans team, and I just wanted to shout them out because it is very likely they go out in the first round against the Suns, but that should not put a damper on how talented this future is for this franchise. I agree with you on that. I love love Herb Jones, you know, and Herb Jones kind of reminds me of what they did with Lonzo Ball, like letting him go in for agency you know, to your Bulls, people critique, like, why would the Pelicans do that? But getting Herb Jones honestly negates that because Herb Jones is almost as good or even better defending Lonzo Ball in some ways. You put him on the opposing guard, that's it. And I want to add to what the Pelicans I mean, Chris Paul had four points last night. There you go. See? Amazing. But I want to add something about the bigs. I personally think I like Jackson Hayes, but I think Jackson Hayes should be the backup center for some reasons, and I think Larry Nash should be starting. 
because now, oh, now see, I, I I disagree. I'm gonna push back right now because I, I like the ver- I like the different the way they they throw the different types of lineups at teams. I like how they start super oh, big and then yeah. and then halfway through the quarter they're playing small and they're playing a completely different style. I think I think that throws teams off. And I think if you if you go with Hayes as the backup center, it's more you know that traditional the traditional lineups. And I just don't right. think it's as effective. Fair point, fair point. I see what you mean by that. Yeah, because I love Jackson Hayes, but I think sometimes he is a good player. He's coming to better, me, but I think he's limited in some ways, honestly. To too. me, what I, I kind of so we see what they're doing in Cleveland with, with Laurie yeah. Markinen, um, Evan Mobley, and, and Allen. To mm-hmm. me, the Pelicans are doing a similar thing, but instead of it being strictly like defensive oriented with those big two, it's more it's more balanced, but you have the big three, like the uh, Ingram's not quite a seven footer, but he plays like one pretty much. And I think having, having that kind of size uh, at the three big, you know, at the three spots, it's very similar to Cleveland. And I think that's, I think that's a trend that more, more and more teams are going to trend towards uh, going forward. Yeah. And I will say this too, Brandon Ingram's comparison to draft, guess who he's compared to? Kevin Durant. Right. And he's built and and you can't really compare him to Kevin Durant, but he's built similar to Kevin Durant. I understand that, you know, that process in that way. So to me, I, I just wanted to shout out the Pelicans. Um, did you have anything else before I wrap this up? Oh, you forgot someone on the Pelicans. You forgot someone very important that's making them very impactful. He's a Jose Alvaro. That dude, oh, he's that, different. That, well, that that fucking weasel, he he did his little sneaky thing to Caruso in the regu- at the end of the regular season, and it hurt my feelings. So, but no, he he got Chris Paul at, with a an eight second violation. Um, yeah, him and Herb Jones have just they they've been annoying Chris Paul so much that Chris Paul had you know committed a, <laughs> a flagrant foul the other night. It's he's been playing he's been playing exceptional. They've got two great rookies and. Yeah. That just shows how much talent the Pelicans have because I did. I completely spaced him, and that is my bad. I'm glad that you threw that in. Okay, so mm-hmm. did I miss anything else? Do you have anything else you want to add? I think from the the Pelicans, I think – do you think Zion plays for them again? Last thing, then we'll go. Yeah, because he's seen how talented this team is, even without him. I think, I think if the Pelicans had missed the playoffs, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I would have the same answer. But given that the Pelicans have not only made the playoffs, but they've had this kind of success in the playoffs against the number one seed who was the juggernaut in the regular season, I think Zion comes back to this team thinking that they, with if you add him in in that Hayes role, then they become a title contending team. I see what you mean. I don't, I'm not sure. I think Zion gets traded soon because I think if it's like Kawhi is similar to Kawhi medical staff service like he thinks it's healthy they think it's not so we're to see wait and see on that one honestly i mean i i like i said if if they hadn't had made the playoffs i'd probably be right there with you that that's how close it is so i cannot fault you for that so okay um before i wrap things up leon do your plugs again okay so once again right at hoop social if you want to follow me you can follow me at kiosoda dot um, INC the Inc. on Instagram. Uh, if you want to add me on Facebook, just Leon Collington. And 
yeah and if you want to follow me on twitter um kyo soda comics so kyo soda is spelled like this k-y-o-s-o-t-a that's basically it and you can find me on twitter at final finally again i was your host for today trey hill thanks again for listening to the end another edition of charity stripe commentary and please bulls do not look so pathetic again the next time you play the bucks because (laughs) it is likely going to be the last game of your season